have a special treat for you this morning. Uh, if you've been coming to church here for the last four or five years, you have met, um, met the couple I'm getting ready to introduce you to. But God sets things up sometimes and surprises you with people in your life that you wouldn't have ordinarily met. You wouldn't have, wouldn't have ordinarily bumped into your past. Probably would have never crossed. We would have never bumped into each other at a restaurant or a grocery store. But God in his divine sovereignty puts people in your life on purpose. Do you believe that? Don't look at your spouse. Like if he did this on purpose. But sometimes he puts people together uh, for a reason. And I don't know how many years ago it was now. Do you know how many years? Five years ago. Um, uh, we were introduced to Jack and Sheila Harper. And uh, actually, I think Linda Webb introduced us, yeah, to you guys. And we had them here for the first time and just knew at that moment they were special people. And th this would end up more than likely being a lifelong friendship. Uh, we didn't know at that time that our oldest daughter would move to Nashville when we would need somebody to protect her. <laughs> and I would be calling them going, help her find a place to stay. We don't know what to do. Um, but more than that, uh, something I realized at dinner last night. Jack and Sheila go all over the world preaching life, helping people recover and experience new life, fighting the life fight. And I realized last night having dinner with them that that is what they do. But who they are is they speak life into everybody they're around. And so Beth and I left dinner last night um, after, uh, after a couple hours sitting with them. And we just felt like there was life that was spoken into us in that moment. And it hit me this morning when I woke up. They don't just advocate for life. It is what they it is what they say. It's their it's who they are. And whether it's whether it's the abortion issue, which they're fighting with everything they have, and they're helping people who've walked through that. Or sitting down at a restaurant speaking to a pastor that's going, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue. Um, they speak life. And for that, I'm eternally grateful that we met you guys. And so this morning, could you give a warm Hedgesville welcome to Jack and Sheila Harper of Save One. Thank you. Good morning, Hedgesville. Hope Church. Good morning. So glad to be here. Yes, you guys are awesome. And when I say awesome, like that doesn't even cover it, you know. We, uh, we love your pastors, Pastor yes. Chris, Pastor Beth. You have an incredible gift from God. In that, when, when he talked about putting people together, you know, he inspired the intersection with all of you guys for them and for you. So it's, it's one of those incredible things. Every time we come here, it feels like home. Every time we're with your staff, every time we're around your board members, 
Every time we're around you, we walk away feeling better. We, we know that we have been in the presence of people that are pursuing a holy God. And we love that. So thank you guys for, for welcoming us, yes, for sure. absolutely. Thank you. And I love that I see so many Love Life shirts on. That's so great. Thank you. I feel so welcome when we walk in and I see our T-shirts on people. But I, we would be remiss if we did not recognize today. Yep. Today, all across America, is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And it's not just Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. This is the actual day, 50 years ago, that Roe was written into law. And now, this is a day that we don't commemorate, we celebrate. (laughs) Because Roe was overturned on June 24th, 2022. It's a day we'll always celebrate. And so... Instead of of coming to Washington and marching for life and and going to the Supreme Court and and saying that we demand this law to be overturned, we marched for life because it is our goal at Save One to make abortion unthinkable even before it becomes illegal in all 50 states. Because laws change all the time. We're not looking for behavior modification because a law changed. We're looking for heart change. And that's what happens in the local church, in churches like this. Yep. So, uh, and maybe it was said already, but I just want to reiterate. What we do is we help men, women, and families recover from the aftermath of abortion. And so that's been going on in in our lives uh, literally since 1992. Sheila has been teaching and helping women find healing, find Jesus and the healing through God's word. And then in uh, 2000, we, we actually filed and got our nonprofit status, our 501c3. And from that point forward, it has been a focused ministry that's been going out and doing the work. So I just want you guys to kind of understand where we are. She, um, when we were talking with Pastor Chris, he said, I, I said, you know, what you guys got going on? He said, well, we're in this dream series. And, and is it, has everybody heard week one, week two of the dream series? You guys, you guys all up to speed? Yeah. So good. So We've good. We've been watching. So good. And we were like, we were driving down, I don't know, we were driving down the road somewhere. We were always driving down the road. And we were listening to uh, week one, and we were like shouting in the car for all of the victories that you guys have accomplished. I mean, that yeah. is incredible growth. You know, being at 120% after... Uh, COVID, that, that's, that's no it's simple task. Of. It's unheard of. Yeah. And so you guys are in the middle of something. And the way to stay in the middle of something is to nourish it and keep it going. So you guys are doing an awesome thing here. But what, what he asked us to do is to uh, talk about our dream and the dream that we have and just kind of talk and speak into that. So Sheila and I got together and, and um, we have four things that we felt like the Lord wanted us to pass on to you. And the reason that w- these four, we, when we see them, we look at them, we know that in those four things, he showed us how to do it. I mean, because what he did is he took, he took two people that are just products of grace and mercy, and he took them and just started us on a path and revealed things to us. And we want to tell you guys how that happened because, listen, everybody... Everybody here has a plan, purpose, and destiny. Everybody here has a reason that God has you here. And it doesn't matter if you are 9 or 99. It doesn't matter if you're crazy 
or if you have got this thing worked out, listen, God has something for you. And so we want to just share that with you. First thing that we're going to talk about, and you can write this down in your notes if you want to do that. I will tell you we don't have anything on the big Bible behind me, so you can stop looking back there. That's not going to happen today. But, but there's, a, there's a scripture that I think is so amazing but being used so out of context for so long. And I just want to tell you that this is the birth of a dream. This is the place where it happens. So if you want to turn to Psalm 37... And we're going to be 1 through 4, Psalm 37, 1 through 4. I'm going to read it for you for those of you that go, Man, I didn't bring my Bible. You can bring your Bible to church. It's cool. Even if they put it on the big Bible, you can look in your Bible, right? It says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious of the workers of iniquity. Don't worry about what people's going, you know, people, what people have going on in their life, what they're doing. And don't worry about those that are prospering even though they're evil. Don't worry about that. And they wither as... Oh, I'm sorry. So, For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green, green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. This is for us. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. There's a context there. There's, a, there's something that we have to realize, but this is the birth of a dream. Delight yourself in the Lord. Trust the Lord. Seek the Lord. Be near the Lord. Chase the Lord. Move toward Him. He'll move toward you. And then He'll give you the desires of your heart. And if you're moving toward Him, listen, this is the difference between the way some people project this and the way it really is meant to be. He doesn't just give you the desires of your heart. In other words, you're not going to get a 2023 Chevy truck on 35s. You're not just going to get that because that's what you want. But he'll give you the desires of your heart, which are the desires of his heart. He will give you what you are pursuing because he has a plan, purpose, and destiny for you. So don't worry or be jealous of what other people are doing. Don't worry about everybody else. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people get all upset because somebody else is prospering. That's so weird. Celebrate them. If they're doing good, celebrate them. If they're doing good in evil and, and prospering anyway, talk to them about how cool that is if they could just turn that toward the Lord. We need people who prosper. We trust Him, His desires. He has, a, he, he has desires that are, that are waiting for us. And the, while we were worshiping, actually while we were praying on the way here, Sheila said something, and I just think this is the place that I need to tell you this. I think the Lord is wanting somebody to know that you've dug some wells before, and you have dug and dug, and you thought that you were right at that dream and then somebody came along and filled that well, and it just took it away from you, can I just tell you to dig that well again? Right. To go back after that same thing that you were before? That dream is not dead. September 6, 1998, I was an alcoholic. I'd been an alcoholic 23 years. Sheila had gotten her healing. She was ready to go. And all of a sudden, on a, on a day that I didn't even want to be in church, God, give, he, he accepted me. He accepted me. I accepted his salvation. He delivered me from alcohol. 23 years an alcoholic, hadn't had a drink, hadn't had drugs since then. And yeah, that's God. 
But this is the birth of our dream. We went home that day, and when we, when we got home, we looked at each other and we said, we have no idea what's going on here, but the one thing that I know for sure is that if we, from this point forward, no matter what God asks of us, if we just say yes, we'll be okay. And so we worked it out that day. I didn't have to figure out if it was economically okay to follow one of God's plans for my life. All I had to do was just say yes. He, he, has a, he has a loud sense of humor, too, I'll just tell you. He asked you to do some things that you don't think you were going to say yes to. But, but really and truly, it worked out all the things. There's no negotiation in that. I didn't have to worry about it anymore. All I had to do was say, yes, Lord. And so we did that. We started seeking him. Sheila seeking him and talking with him and studying. She started drawing close to him, and then something amazing happened. Well, when we first started Save One, it wasn't like I just decided one day, like, oh, I think I'm going to start a nonprofit. It started way back when I found my own healing after my own abortion. I went through a Bible study, much like the one Save One offers now. But after that, I wanted to stay in that feeling, and I wanted other people to know that they could feel this same way. They could be liberated from something so horrible. And so I started teaching that Bible study. Well, then we moved to Nashville from Chattanooga. And when we moved up there, I thought, okay, my, the time in the pro-life movement is over. You know, I laid that to rest. And I, I went up there and I thought, I don't, want to, I don't want all these new people to know about my past. And so before long, as I was up there, I would look around. We got involved in a really large church, and I would look around like this, and I knew the statistics that one out of every three women of childbearing age has had an abortion. And it's not a different statistic outside the church as it is in the church. And I knew one out of every three men have lost fatherhood. And so I started feeling so guilty that I'm not doing anything. I know how to teach this Bible study, but... To be able to go do it, I've got to tell people about my past. And so I started looking around, and and before I knew it, I started having these dreams of me standing on a stage with a microphone in my hand telling people that I had had an abortion. And I was okay telling that story in the confines of a small group in in a confidential setting. But to think that I would actually stand on a stage and tell a room filled with people. And I would have this dream, and I would be so terrified that I would wake myself up. Have you ever been in a dream like that, where you wake yourself up because you want out of it so badly? That's where I was. And so I started having this dream repeatedly to the point that when it got so bad that Jack would lay his hands on my head and pray that I could sleep that night and not have this dream but I knew, looking back on it now, I knew God was stirring something. It was, he was, even though it was terrifying, and I thought, I've never spoken in front of three people, let alone 300, you know? So I, I, I started just pursuing that. I, I knew that my heart was with life. And so I didn't know what to do. So I, we would have long conversations. What should I do? Should I go to law school and only take, take pro-life cases? Should I go back to school? Should I? I was just all these scenarios. It was this constant, like, what is the dream? And so I, I just started doing everything I could in that direction. If I heard about a training, I would go to it. 
at the pregnancy center. If I heard about something they needed, I'd go buy it and take it to them. It was like anything that I could do with life, I would do it. And God, at the, looking back on it now, I see where he was just pouring into me, stretching me, teaching me, seeing what all was out there. I read books about life. I, did every, I learned about the abortion issue, the origins of it, the evil of it. And so as I, I kept going, I finally went to my pastor. I told him I started teaching the Bible study. And you guys know we started Save One, and it was incredible. But before all of that happened, when I was trying to learn everything, I would go occasionally to the abortion clinic in Nashville. There are none there now. But I went, I would go to that abortion clinic and I would park across the street and I would just sit in my car and pray. And I felt so badly for those girls that I would see walking in there and I would just pray for them. And I would go every few months. Well, I went one day, and then I got up the next day, had a long list of, you know, if you know me, it's like everything is scheduled, and I've got a list, and i got to check it off. And, and so I had my list and my schedule for the day, and God said, go back to the abortion clinic. It was like just this, this voice was like, go back to the abortion. And I was like, I just went yesterday. I got a long list. I got a schedule. <laughs> like, don't you see my schedule? And so it it just would not leave me alone, go to the abortion clinic. So I'm like, it was all the way across town. So I drove over there. My son had left his Bible in the car. The Lord said, pick up the Bible and read Jeremiah 1, 9, and 10. I had no idea what that was. So it was like just the Holy Spirit just downloading to me. I opened that Bible and I read these words. Today, I have put my words in your mouth. For today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And I knew right then that this had to do with the evils of abortion, the way that the enemy has planted the lies in nations and made them believe that, it, that I, I'm supposed to start something that tears that down, that tells the truth. And so I didn't know what that looked like, but I knew that moment was the birth of something. And so I started pursuing it with everything that I had because I knew all of a sudden my dream was his dream. His dream was my dream. And so I started pursuing it with everything that we had. That was number one, the birth of the dream. So number two, if you're writing them down, number two is that you have to protect the dream. Like you have a responsibility to protect your dream. And can I just tell you, you got to be careful about who you release the dream to. Because there are people that, I mean, it's just in their nature, they are dream destroyers. And a lot of them will just do it with fact and truth. And you know what? Fact and truth doesn't always go with God's dreams because they're filled with faith and belief. And faith and belief will overcome the facts of how things look. So be, be a dream nurturer. Be somebody that, that encourages people with dreams. Can I tell you, I, I don't know this for sure. How many of you guys know who Spud Webb is? How many of you know that name, Spud Webb? For those of you that don't know, he's 5'7", 
He's a basketball player, and I am, I'm like positive there were people in his life that said, there's no way you're going to be a basketball player. I don't care what your dream is. It's reality. You're 5'7", you're, you know. Can I tell you, Spud Webb went on to have a great career in the NBA, and he actually won the dunk contest that they have every year. 5'7", could get up, not only just get up and get it in the basket, but he could do it while turning circles and all of these other things. Those people that spoke against that dream had no idea what they were speaking against. Be a dream nurturer. Let this church be a place that dreams are, that, that, you know, that they are, they are fulfilled, they are birthed, they are nurtured, they are protected. You watch over them, you encourage one another. Because I can tell you, I've been to churches that just are just full of reality. And I'm just not all, I'm just not all about that. I'm about faith. If God speaks it, I don't have to look at the facts or reality of it. If God speaks it, all I gotta do is walk it out. But I gotta protect it. So I gotta know who's, who am I gonna release that to? And so there are people within your circles, within this church, within the leadership of this church, you know that you can trust. And when you have that dream, when you have something like that, somebody needs to help you accomplish that. Because there's very few times that people just get a dream, they don't speak it to anybody, and they just walk through without any help in it. That's got to be the toughest way in the world. But there are mentors out there. There are people who have gone before you. There are people that have gone the path of that particular dream, and you can trust them. And if you trust them, they will, they will encourage you, they will give you guidance, they will help you, and they will help you protect that dream. When I say that there are people out there that want to destroy that dream, there are people that when your dream is starting to be realized, they will want to hook, your, hook themselves to your dream, and then they will want to take your dream from you and make it their own. And not only do I think that, I know that. We have a story about that. Well, I'm going to tell you all the good and the bad of everything that I've done along the way. <laughs> uh, when we first started Save One, I, a girl came and was a part of it, uh, and I made her a part of the board and everything because she was very well known in Nashville, and she had started a nonprofit before. And so I felt like God brought her to us to help me because I had no idea what I was doing. Start a nonprofit with the, you know, get the government and uh, to say we're a 501c3, I had no idea. And so she had done all of that. So I started relying on her and I made her part of the board. And we, you know, we had uh, this board that formed, there were six of us. Well, looking back on the, the minutes from our board meetings, it was funny because she kept saying, I feel like you should be a youth oriented organization. And I would always say, I really feel like I'm supposed to be doing abortion recovery. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's my heart. That's my passion. That's where I feel alive. And she kept pushing me toward the youth and kept booking me to go speak at high schools and things like that, which was a good experience. But I felt like a fish out of water. But I knew I had been called to do abortion recovery. And so it was like just this kind of struggle. I I trusted her because I felt like God had put her in my life, and he did. But at the same time, I knew there was starting to get some real tension between me and her because it was like this tug of war. I knew what God had called me to do. And so finally, one of the girls on the board came to me and she said her name and said, 
She's going around to the board and turning them against you. And I, I was devastated. I mean, just, I had never dealt with anything like that before in my life. And especially not a fellow church person, you know, like they're supposed to be for me. <laughs> and so I thought she had my back. And so we go along and, and my friend, I'm so thankful for her because she turned around to the girl and said, if you've got a problem with Sheila, you need to go to Sheila. That's what, we're, that's what the Bible says to do. You don't go around to everybody else and tell everything that's wrong. You go to the person that you have the offense with. That's one way to be a dream developer. And so, anyway, she turned her around and did not listen to what she had to say. So, finally, it kept getting worse and worse. Well, I talked to this girl and another girl. So, it, it was kind of like the board was divided down the middle. The pastor, my pastor had to get involved. It got so bad. And so he said, I want you guys in my office at this night, you know, at this time. So we go to the office. I'm crying. It's horrible. I feel like I'm about to lose my dream. He said, we're going to vote and whether or not you're going to keep Sheila as the leader or vote her out. And I, I mean, I was two years into this thing. I thought, well, I, I'm about to lose it all. I'm about, they're going to vote me out. You know, I, I, I knew what God had called me to. I knew I had the dream, but I could not see how I was going to hang on to this dream. And so sitting in the pastor's office, I just, I just kept doing the next right thing and the next right thing as it came to me. I was a zombie during those days. I was so devastated at her betrayal. So we're sitting in the pastor's office. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm crying. They're saying all these horrible things about me. It's the worst meeting I've ever been in in my life to this day. I've never been in another meeting like that. I never want to be. And so one of the girls get, that's against me gets so wound up. She's mad. She's getting mad. And I knew my pastor believed in me. I knew he, he saw what was happening. And so she got so angry that she made this dramatic exit, stormed out, slammed the door. And at that moment, my pastor said, we need to call a vote right now. Who is for Sheila to stay in leadership and three of us? Who is against her and two of them? <laughs> and he said, I expect your resignation. <laughs> and so, it, you know, not always does your dream come on this rosy path. I thought I was at the moment, save one was over and done two years in. Looking back on that, I, I mean, I could, for years, I could never say I was thankful for it. But looking back on that moment, I learned more about leadership through that storm than any book could have ever taught me. It made me turn around and walk in confidence and trust in the Lord like never before. I had people say to me during that time, maybe this wasn't God's will. Maybe you weren't supposed to start this. You know, but I knew, I knew I had the dream. I knew he had shown me. I knew I had that scripture. And so I just kept marching forward. And from that, and since that time, I have always said, before the greatest victories come the greatest struggles. That was one of the greatest struggles we have, we had in Save One. So after all of that was over, I went away for a weekend just by myself. I turned off everything. I, and it was before, it was like 2002, 2003. I didn't have a laptop to carry with me. I had a little notepad. 
God downloaded the first book to me. He started giving me the chapters. It was during that weekend. And from that, we started writing books and, and having our, uh, the translations happen and started going into the nations. It's been wonderful. But it was because we were able to just follow the dream and keep our head down and do the next right thing. Okay, and then another thing, the third thing that we've got to do is speak to the dream. When people were telling me, you know, you, maybe you shouldn't have started Save One, they weren't speaking to the dream. <laughs> and so I had to start thinking about how powerful our words are. Proverbs 18.21 says, the power of life and death are in your tongue. God cares about the words that you speak. And so when, if you have a dream, when he gave me that dream, I kept saying, when I finally got a board around me that was really for me, I would say to them, it's just a Bible study. I'm teaching at my church. You know, like I, I, I kept downplaying it. And one of the board members kept saying, Sheila, the potential of this organization is astronomical. This is going to be global. And he kept saying, you've got to start saying global. Save one global. And he would say that, and I would just kind of giggle like, you know, like that's crazy, global. And so I, 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 he made me start believing it. Okay, global. Like, well, maybe we could go global. Maybe we could go into other countries. And so all of a sudden, a lady from Romania calls, and she says, she was, they were our first translation. She said, hey, that book you've got, that uh, the women's study, can we translate it into Romanian? Because I have a, a, a whole chain of pregnancy centers across Romania that I want to use it in and start doing abortion recovery. And I was like, it just kind of fell in my lap. Well, sure. I didn't have to pray about it. I knew he had told me. I pointed you over nations and kingdoms. My board member was saying it's global. We had, we had poured into this and prayed about this. And I started changing that vocabulary to believe that this was bigger. It is something that God wants to take to the nations. And so be careful what you say. Don't downplay. Don't, don't downsell God and what he has given you and done in your life. So that Bible study that I wrote out of the ashes of that horrible struggle has now been translated into 23 languages and is being used in 28 nations around the world. And so it still freaks me out a little when people refer to us as Save One Global, like it's nothing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, global. You know, and it, I mean, it, I, you never get used to that. But I know that it's God, and I know that he's directing it. And I know that all I have to do is just be the steward and keep the dream and just stay aligned with him, and everything's going to work out and be good. Amen. Thank right? You. Yes. So, uh, number four, steward the dream. Steward the dream. And I think a lot of what Pastor Chris talked about last week has, has application here. You can see it through the others if you think about it. But input directly affects output. Input always affects output. output. So, one of the things that, that happens sometimes with dreams is that we look at a dream and we get this image of the dream and we think that the dream can only happen one way. 
It's almost like, I heard a guy explain it this way, and I love this explanation. It's like a cartoon image of the way things work. So if you ever watched, I don't know if it's Elmer Fudd or who that guy was, but he goes driving up this mountain, gets up on the top of the mountain, and he's sitting there on the top of the mountain teetering back and forth, back and forth. You know, that's a cartoon image. We, we can drive over a mountain. It's okay. It's not, we're not going to get to the top, have to run to the front of the car to get down the other side. We don't have to do that. But sometimes we look at our, our dreams and we think it can only happen one way. We have, to, we have to do it the way we saw it do, be done by somebody else. And it's never like that. God has a plan, purpose, and destiny. That means He has a way to lead you through it. And I, I mentioned it before, but the input that you take from the mentors and the people that you trust and those that can speak into your life will affect the output of your dream. You've got to, you've got to stay focused and you've got to nurture that dream and help that dream. You've got to make sure that those that are around you are helping you because just, just as much as good input affects good output, bad input affects bad output. Not related to Save One, but we had a we had a business, a very successful business for a long time. And we we had this couple over at our house. They were a wonderful couple from the church. They they in fact they drove about an hour and a half to come to church every Sunday. And back then we were doing Sunday nights, so sometimes we would invite them over to the house and we would sit and just enjoy them all day. And it was it was around one of those quarterly tax dates. And so we were talking, and he said, I said something about, yeah, I got, got to make that quarterly tax payment. I hate that thing. And, and he, he just said, I never pay it. And I said, do what? <laughs> he said, yeah, I don't do quarterly. I just pay it at the end of the year and pay the penalty. And when he left, I was like, Sheila, we don't have to pay quarterly taxes. We can just pay at the end of the year. We had like 15 people working for us. Our quarterly tax bill wasn't the same as his, and neither was the penalty. <laughs> here, here, you can remember this forever. Don't take tax advice from a carpet layer. <laughs> I've said it over and over, and there's nothing wrong with carpet layers. That guy had one job. It was him, and he was by himself. He, did, he was a great guy and had a great business, but... I about ruined us. I mean, I about ruined us just by thinking you don't have to pay it. That's great. You have to steward well. That means you have to seek good advice, right? Y'all could say amen a bunch about that. I can just tell you. I'm sorry, I lost my spot here. Here's the other thing, and we're kind of kind of winding down here. Over and over and over in my life, I've seen people come to the church and they, they haven't been in church. Listen, I'm going to tell you all different scenarios, so I'm not picking on anybody. They come to the church. They've got this dream. They start hanging out with godly men or women. That dream starts to, to flourish. It starts to happen. It becomes just exactly what it is that they wanted. And all of a sudden, they have prosperity going on in their life. And then all of a sudden in that prosperity, they don't have time to come to church and they start to fade away. 
Don't let that happen. I see men and women inside the church that have a good relationship with God and they start to pursue a dream and some things go wrong or they didn't. Listen, it's not always your fault. I can tell you that, but it, you have a responsibility in it to steward it well. And, and other things start happening. And you, what, when, you, when you got saved, you were on top of the world and all of a sudden now it, you're like struggling to get week to week to get by. Listen, that, that's not the time to leave the church. But I see people leaving the church over dreams that, that haven't been fulfilled or something happened to the dream and it was attacked and, and, and you had nothing to do. Well, listen, I don't know what it is, but don't let the church, don't let the church be the, the point of exit and entry for you. The church is always the church. Church is always pursuing God. The church, is, man, worship was incredible this morning. We should always be here worshiping. We should always be hanging out with people. We should have community with each other. We should be together with each other. But if, if, if something goes wrong, don't leave the church. The church is the community you need in that time. Man, we're, we're so thankful to get to hang out with you guys for a few minutes. Can I ask you guys to stand up and, and, and just stand up where you are? I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward. I'm not, we're not going to do that. But I just want just to go through a couple of things with you. Following the Lord requires us to, to trust Him, and to have faith in Him, to walk with Him, to walk through doors that are open for us, to, to have the confidence to know that you belong in the room that you're sitting in, that you're standing in, that He's invited you in, that, that He made a way for you to be in, that there's no way that you could have gotten into that room without that. And soak up that room when you're in there and find out what it is that He's called, called you to be there for. Are you being poured into? Are you learning what is the reason that you've gotten into these rooms that you've gotten into? Your dream may be for your family. Your dream may be in business. Your dream may be in ministry. Whatever it is, whatever it is, let it be birthed. Speak to that dream. Steward that dream. And let God do something incredible in you. You are standing right now and worshiping in a dream. This place is incredible. The first time we came, we were hanging out with everybody over at the school. And this was being created. God creates dreams. Amen. If you would, just lift your hands up right now and just start talking to Him. Just start talking to Him. And Lord, if you haven't had a dream, if you don't have the dream, if you don't know His plan and purpose and destiny, then, then just start to, to speak to Him right now and say, Lord, I need to know what it is that you have for me. How can I start down this path? If you have that dream, then ask Him, the Lord, how can, I, how can I just go? How can I protect? How can I speak? How can I steward the dream? Where are the men or the women that I need to surround me? Who can help me? Lord, how do I stay holy with you? Do I connect myself with those life groups, Lord? Do I connect myself with people within the church? Do I, how do I do that, Lord? How do I get there? Father, we just pray over this room right now, Lord, as they, they have, God, they've heard some incredible stories of what you've done. It's not Sheila and I. It's what you've done throughout the centuries, the, uh, the decades, Lord, the decades that we've done this. Thank you, Lord, that it's an example for others to follow. So, Lord, I pray uh, 
that you would just sweep through right now, Lord, that you would just touch those that, that had dug those wells before. And now, Lord, they know that, they, that even though they've been filled, somebody can just start digging right now, Lord, and start going back and find that place. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done or what's been taken from you. You can go back to that place because the Lord's a God of miracles. He's a, he's, a, he's a God of signs and wonders. He can do that for you. And so in all things, always, Lord, we trust you and we thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Listen, guys, one, one other thing. I, I know when we were, when, when, when Skip was up here talking, he was talking about changing your life and dedicating your life to the Lord and filling out that card. I know the Lord told me there was people that were doing that this morning. Make sure you get that card to skip. Make sure that you talk to him and tell him that you've made the change in your life. We love you guys and we're so thankful to get to be here. And that's great, isn't it? Why don't you take some time before you walk out the building to stop by. Uh, They've got a a table out there. But um, listen, we feel it's a privilege to be able to support this ministry all over the world and and bring help to people. So Father, we pray for Jack and Sheila. Lord, that you would increase your anointing on their life. Lord, that you would send them in places where they never dreamed. And Lord, I pray for every dream that was birthed in the building this morning, God, that you confirm it in our lives this week. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Can you say amen?